Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the good news with Angie Austin. Now with the good news, here's Angie. Hi, friend. Welcome to the good news with Angie Austin and friend today, author and speaker and movie maker, Jim Stovall, joining us on this Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Jim. And happy Valentine's Day to you. You know, I'm not a big flower person. Is your wife, Crystal, a big person? No, she is not. Uh, she is a big chocolate and wine and go out to dinner person. <laughs> I love it that she has such good taste. I um I like living flowers, not the kind that you know you, know, you put out and they die right away. And right. I like a good pair of like running shoes or hiking shoes or like a hoodie. Like I'm very practical. Right. <laughs> All right, I understand. Well, <laughs> I do, too. Oh, speaking of Crystal, I know she really loves tennis. Did she see my former uh, co-host, uh, Mike Opelka's nephew, Riley Opelka, played uh, tennis over the weekend? And did you see him with former President George Bush? No, I, I saw he won in Dallas, but I did not see him with the president. That's cool. Can't quite reach. And then he kind of um, uh, gives him a little sock in the stomach. And then Riley pats George Bush on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Riley is seven feet tall, and Bush uh, uh, isn't, shall we say. <laughs> yes, it's very cute. All right, well, Jim joins us uh, once a week, and we talk about um, his Winner's Wisdom column. He's written over 50 books, and uh, I know he's a big fan of you know listening to sometimes a book a day um, on kind of a higher speed. And so when I saw this avoiding experts topic, I thought, well, Jim is probably, uh, you are probably a, an expert in many areas, or at least well-read, because you do read uh, so many books. So what are you teaching us in this week's Avoiding Experts? Experts Winner's Wisdom column. Well, there is a proliferation of people in the world today claiming to be experts on everything, and they want you to pay them for their expertise or buy their things or whatever the case may be. And the first thing is a little advice on experts. Don't take advice from anybody who doesn't already have what you want. Okay. So if a, if a guy's a wealth advisor, he needs to be uh, uh, a wealthy person. If a guy's going to tell you how to lose weight, get in shape, do whatever, he needs to be a model of fitness. Mm-hmm. If someone's going to give you advice on your marriage or your relationship, I'd like to see somebody that hasn't been divorced eight times or something. <laughs> you know. So uh, the first thing is just a little advice on advice, and be careful with these experts, and then. We always need to remember expertise doesn't transfer. Anything on or around a basketball court, if LeBron James wants to speak about it, I'm going to listen. I am all ears. Me too. But if I am rebuilding the carburetor in my 68 Mustang and someone says, oh, yeah, LeBron James has advice on that, I need to know what, what experience does he have in that. I mean, just because he's good at one thing 
doesn't mean he's good at another. <laughs> so, you know, we need to really look at not just what is the advice, but who is saying so and why are they telling us this? Mm-hmm, exactly. And I, I like uh, I like that you're saying, yes, they might be an, an expert in one area, but not all areas. And also when it comes to wealth, I remember in one of your 50 some odd books you did, and this was several years back, talk about obtaining wealth or your roadmap to success. And in it, you gave specifics on how you grew your wealth and gave very specific information and content contact information for yourself so people would listen to your financial and life advice because of what you have achieved yourself and you gave a lot of info. Yeah, it was hard to do. It was really hard to do because in our society, we don't talk about money, sex, or religion. We just don't. Oh, you and, don't, but a lot. You, you know, and when I wrote a book about the millionaire map and my journey to that, I went home and I told Crystal, I said, we're going to have to do something very uncomfortable. And I had Bank of America and Merrill Lynch audit my financials, and I actually published that in the book with their contact info because, you know, I wanted my readers to know that, uh, you know, you're you're at least listening to someone who has been where you want to go. And I think that is a, you know, I, I mean, everybody's personal business is their personal business right up until the point where they're asking me to change something in my life based on what they're saying. And then their business becomes my business. Well, one more thing I wanted to add about, um, and, and I specifically remember that, by the way, in all the books I've read of yours, I specifically remember that, um, you know, you did that to prove, hey, I do have an area of, ex- I, this is an area of expertise for me. All right. One more thing. Um, you said you wanted to get your marital advice from someone that hadn't been divorced eight times. And that just really set a bell off in my head because I used to have a divorced neighbor who uh, a lot of uh, friends would come over, girlfriends, and they'd kind of be drinking and hanging out. And I always thought she gave them the worst advice about their marriages. They'd come over and say like, oh, I have a problem with Tom and he did this. And she's like, oh, forget about him. And he's a jerk and really dressing him down. And I'll never forget. I thought she's the last person that I would want to. I don't know if she'd ever even been married, but a lot of failed relationships and, you know, a son and trying to raise that kid on her own and lots of drinking. And I thought that's the last person I would go to for relationship advice. And I saw some of her friends' marriages fall apart because they did like to go out and party and have fun with her but she wanted a drinking buddy you know she didn't want to save your marriage and so that was another reminder to me to go to like-minded people for advice and people have ulterior motives and so you want to go to someone for advice just um because we women jim we go and chit chat more than you guys do with you know with buddies about just stuff in general right so i want to turn to a christian friend whose advice i admire whose life i admire whose ethics i admire whose honesty i admire i want to go to them to kind of pound out a few things and i also learned don't talk badly about your spouse to your mom or your girlfriends because you'll forgive and forget they will not absolutely and these are you know very very important who you're talking to why are you talking to them and what expertise are they bringing to this and uh Otherwise, you're just making it worse. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I definitely believe there's wisdom in seeking counsel, but you got to get the right person for the right reason with the right motive. Now, I mentioned you read these books, um, and as a blind person, you do the audio books. And how fast do you listen to them, and how many books do you read, and how do you choose them? Is there a certain genre? Like, what's this all about? 
Well, I I am embarrassed to tell you and your audience, I mean, as a best-selling author with 10 million books in print and having been nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, when I could read like you do with your eyes or like most of your listeners do, I don't know that I ever read a whole book, but after becoming blind, I was part of an experiment on compressed digital audio, and they wanted to see how fast can people learn to listen to material and still retain it. And uh, after the experiment was over, I just kept doing it. And I read a book every day. Uh, This morning, I read an amazing book called The Method by Isaac Butler. And it's the history of the acting method that uh, uh, was started by Stanislavski over 100 years ago. And great actors uh, like Paul Newman and uh, so many others have used through the Actors Studio in New York. And it's all about this method of how they embody uh, the, the, the character they're playing. And I'm intrigued with using some of that in uh, personal development. I may write a book on it. But anyway, that was the book today. I listen to one every day. And how, like in the listen. morning? How long does it take you? Um, uh, this book would take normally, uh, I think it's a 12-hour book if you listen to it at normal speed. And I think I listened to it in uh, an hour and 45 minutes, so a little under six, uh, six times uh, the normal no speed. way. So they're, they're yeah. really talking like this the whole time? They're, they're like listening to it like that? Yeah. Yeah, it goes really, really... But it, 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 it doesn't get as high, like... It's not like listening to Mickey Mouse. Uh-huh. It, it, it compresses. It takes out the spaces in between the words and compresses them together. And, you know, I've had people come into my office here at the television network or, or in my home, and they hear that, and they think, what is that? And, <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's not... I mean, I think anybody could do it. It's just I sped it up a little more every day and a little, a little more and a little more, and I got to this point. And, uh, and if something's technical or there's a lot of numbers involved, I'll slow it down a little. And, and occasionally there's a book read by somebody I want to hear do it. I just read Will Smith's autobiography called Will, and I, I waited till I had a trip, and I listened to it at virtually normal speed. Really? Because I just love him doing his own stuff. It's cool to hear his voice. Oh, I, I, I love that. And do you do it on Audible, or do you have a certain you know uh, app you like to use? No, I get most of my books from a National Library Service for the Blind, and then I have a special thing my people help me develop that uh, can compress it even farther than they allow. Uh, oh. Theirs will go to two and a half times, and uh, and we can double that and then double it again if we want to. That is so cool. All right, you talk about um, you know your favorite author, and I, I love, or one of your favorite authors, and the quote that you gave from him, which you can better explain, is... I like to write the kind of books that people like to read. I mean, it's so yeah, basic. Louis Lamour right? is, yeah, he is still one of the greatest, best-selling uh, American authors of all time. He wrote well over a hundred uh, uh, novels, most of them westerns, uh, and they're historical. They're accurate. So not only do you have a fun story, you learn a lot of stuff. Oh. And he wrote well over a hundred. I've read every one of them more than once and love his work and learned a lot about writing from him. 
And, uh, you know, one of the critics was uh, kind of criticizing one of his titles, saying, well, this is just overly simple. It's this, it's that. And, and he, you know, he said, I write the kind of books people like to read. And, you know, and I have I have read books that are critically acclaimed, and they think this is the greatest book ever, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I've seen movies. I mean, so many people think Citizen Kane's the best movie ever made. I don't get it. I mean, I have I have screened it several times here in our theater at Narrative Television. It may be great. It is, I know people love it, and I think that's wonderful. I like them. So, um, you know, the, the best kind of books are the kind you like to read. Right, and the best reviewer is you for yourself, I guess. And then I did um, one last thing. Or we've got about a minute left. You mentioned someone being t- uh, turned down uh, by numerous publishers. And I always tell my kids about famous people who were turned down and told they didn't have talent or who went on then to become a great success. Yeah, the 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 guy that won the book award in 1969, the American Book Award, best book of the year, uh, was turned down 20 times. That was Norman Mailer, one of the best writers of the 20th century, and he was turned down 20 times before he could even get it published. So you can imagine it. I mean, no one would fault him if he got turned down 15 times and quit, but he kept going, and it was deemed to be the best book of the year in 1969. I'd never heard that. That is fascinating to me. Okay, so, and I love it. You end as saying, as you go through your day, consider the experts, but follow your dreams. And then as always, you say, today's the day. Hey, there's no other day. If you're going to do it, do it now. <laughs> yes, it's Valentine's Day. Today is the day. All right, Jim, how do we reach you? Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. You're the best. You made my day. Happy Valentine's Day to you and Crystal and your staff. And to you, be well. Trinidad is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT. When you shop at your local ARC, your hard-earned money directly supports individuals with disabilities. 80% of people with intellectual disabilities are unemployed. And at ARC thrift stores, approximately 20% of employees are individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. ARC Thrift is one of Colorado's largest employers of people with disabilities. They provide extra support for their employees, giving them the opportunity to decide how they live, learn, work, and play through the ARC Ambassadors Program. The program provides a community for employees with disabilities where they create lasting friendships. ARC Thrift Ambassadors attend social events throughout the year where they are encouraged to work together. And ARC is a company that lives and breathes its mission, going above and beyond to create a space of inclusivity, morale, and culture. Decide to shop today at an ARC Thrift store near you. Find the nearest location at 670kltt.com. Hi, it's Angie Austin. You know me as the host of The Good News. And the good news is, if you're stuck, if you've had a loss, if you are hurting, there is a way to get out of it. And it is a program that won't take you that long. And it's with my friend, Sandy Steffes. Now, just to introduce Sandy Steffes and also Spirit Coaching, Sandy and I have been friends for over a decade. And Mm -hmm. she and I knew each other through, I I worked with her husband, Dan. He was like my favorite cameraman. And then um, all of us became friends, the family, the kids, uh, and her daughter, Michaela, I was very fond of. And Michaela got cancer. 
and we lost Michaela when she was just 10 years old. And Sandy now feels a calling to help other people who've experienced a loss. It doesn't have to be a loss of a loved one, but obviously she has personal experience having lost a child at such a young age. But she feels a calling to help people who are stuck, who have experienced any kind of loss, a job, a friend, a pet, something that, you know, really a divorce. So all of these things are losses. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks, Angie. Okay, so let's talk about that calling. I want to get into Michaela's story more because she was such a love bug, and I think we want to honor her in this calling you now have to help others. But um, after, you know, you've been dealing with your own grief for like a decade now. Is that right? Yeah, in October, it was 10 years. I can't believe it's been 10 years already, but yeah. So it's been ten, tough. 10 years and you um, now feel you want to help other people experiencing the pain of loss like you did. So explain how this calling came about when you felt you wanted to help others. Um, I believe it, it, it came in at such a kind of a slow pace that I didn't really even recognize it until um, it wasn't until about two years ago. A neighbor of ours passed and I just wish that there was something more I could do to help um, all of our community um, as they were suffering another loss um, of somebody we loved. Our, you know, our, the people on my street, my neighbors, we were all so close. And it was so funny. They kept saying, oh, but this must be really hard for you because I've lost my daughter. And I said, yeah, but you just lost your husband. This is hard for you. And I just thought it was such an interesting dialogue that we were having. And I felt like they were trying to comfort me. I was trying to comfort them. And I think just one thing led to another um, with some other things that had been happening where people were coming to me and asking me for help. And I just felt I needed to do something um, on that level to help them, to help myself to make sense of what had happened to me. And to bring it all to some kind of a good. And mm-hmm. I, and, and through that thought process is <laughs> kind of crazy, but that's how I came to be a coach. So, All right. So let's talk about the plan that you've come up with, because you're not looking to coach someone for 10 years or five years or two years oh, out of this. You want no. them to have a definite goal and you've got a plan to help them get unstuck. And let's explain how that process works. Yeah, it is um, to help um, you to focus on what is really keeping you in a bad place. You can get stuck and it's hard to move forward, but unless you're able to recognize what it is that's keeping you stuck, you just can't move forward. So we talk and it's all very individualized and you tell me where you are, what's what's happening with you now and where you would like to be. Where do you see yourself? What? How do you see yourself feeling better? What does that look like? What does it feel like? And there's different steps. There's different tools that we go through. And it's about a 90-day, uh, maybe 60 to 90-day process, depending on um, how we work through it. But like I said, it's just very individualized. And you work through the process yourself. I am there to coach you to help you understand within yourself how you can get out of that yourself. So if it does come up again, you will then have the tools to, d- to take care of yourself. Okay, so we're looking at uh, uh, 8 to 12 weeks, 60 to 90 days. 
And Mm -hmm. um, in terms of working through the process, a lot of people are probably Mm -hmm. thinking, okay, I may be stuck right now. I have experienced a loss, a divorce, loss of a child, loss of a loved one, a parent. But Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm afraid. I'm fearful of the difficult work to relive and go through all of this. But what you're saying is, look, it will be better in two to three months. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I know what that fear feels like and how it just paralyzes you because to be able to love again or, you know, give yourself to somebody again or, you know, whatever your loss may be, it's so hard to make yourself vulnerable um, to somebody like that again. Um, It's really, really hard to get through and it can take a really long time. But if you feel like you really need the help to work on it now, it's it's possible to do it with a little bit of help. So does it did it? I have to be honest with you. The first thing that came to mind when you told me, Angie, you know, with the loss of Michaela again, Michaela was only ten. We're talking to Sandy Steffes with Spirit Coaching, and when you said I'm going to help people through, you know, that loss, that grief, I thought, oh my gosh, the pain that you that might open up even for you, the can of worms. Mm-hmm. Like It must be painful for you when you're dealing with someone that's experiencing a loss, whether it be a loved one or a job or whatever that loss is, for you to mm-hmm. experience their pain. But you have to feel called. I think God sometimes does help you through these difficulties like this, helping someone else, uh, because uh, it, it will bring up pain for you. Absolutely. Um, I have felt a, such a comfort knowing God is there to help me. And I have definitely prayed about this and asked him to guide me and make sure I'm doing the right thing. So I'm doing justice to myself and my own grief, but to help others also work through it. And I just think because of my experience, it just helps me to be more compassionate and empathetic and understanding to what other people are going through. And I feel I, after 10 years, I do have my moments, but after 10 years, I think think I'm able to be strong enough to help somebody else walk through it. And that's a big part of working through your grief is when you can start helping others, you know that um, you're on the right path. Well, I think when we've, you know, um, lived through things, those trials and tribulations that are so painful for us, we are the best equipped to others who are in the midst of that same type of pain, because they can look to us as kind of a role model of, wow, look at Sandy now, she's experienced the ultimate loss of a child Mm -hmm. uh, and at a young age. So if she can, you know, um, you know, uh, traverse this, you know, maze of despair that she got out of, then certainly we can as well. So again, if you're just joining us on spirit coaching, if you experienced a loss. Sandy Steffes, I want to get into the story of Michaela. Uh, mm-hmm. She died at just the age of 10, but I want uh, people also to know how to reach you. Oh, sure. My phone number is 720-353-9573. Um, you can also go to my website, spirit-coaching.net. And um, I'd be happy to make contact with you that way. Spirit-coaching.net or 720-353-9573. And keep in mind, like if you're uncomfortable or you're scared at first, you can meet via Skype, but uh, you and Sandy can meet in a place that's comfortable, whether it be a Starbucks coffee shop, at your church, wherever you feel comfortable meeting. But again, you could do your first meet a meeting via Skype. I know sometimes people are intimidated by dealing with, uh, you know, a loss and the depression and the sadness and worried that they're going to cry and, you know, re-experience that loss in the midst of the coaching. 
thing. All right, Sandy, so uh, you felt a calling to help people through loss because of the loss of your 10-year-old daughter, Michaela, now 10 years ago. So let's talk a little bit about that. I recall when you first told me we were sitting in the stands, I believe, at one of the guys, our husband's softball games for Channel 2. Our Both of our mm-hmm. husbands worked at Channel 2, so mm-hmm. did I. And uh, Michaela would come to the games along with Wyatt, your little one, who was very little at the time. And um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Michaela, one of you told me that she had cancer. And then we were also talking about a make a wish. But I never thought that mm-hmm. she was going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so hard to believe, especially when it's a child. It's like, no, this just cannot be happening. Um, it's so funny. I was just thinking about that today for some reason. When the moment when you hear your child has cancer, your world just gets pulled from under you and I remember just feeling like I was falling and nobody was catching me it was just a terrible terrible time (laughs) well when when you I I think that's one of the best um, descriptions that I've heard from someone who's been told something that they don't want to hear that you felt like you were falling and no one was going to catch you because I don't know that you can really visualize or articulate what that feeling would be like. But that feeling yeah. right there is very scary that you're falling and no one's going to catch you. And yeah. but you have to remain strong because you don't want Michaela to know that you feel like you're falling yes. and no one's going to catch you. You want her to right. think, oh, no, I'm here to catch you, Michaela. Boy, that was so hard too. that moment of feeling like everything was over. But yes, at the same time, having to be strong for her, that was the most heart-wrenching moment of my life. Yeah, that was that was awful. All right. So then you go through the process of all the treatment and, you know, what's going to happen. And of course, everyone's very hopeful. And mm-hmm. when when she did lose her battle, you know, it seems like yesterday to me watching you and Mark and I were at the funeral together and uh, we were about the towards, you know, the back. And I just remember watching you walk behind her coffin with her teddy bear and, you know, holding Wyatt's hand and Dan's there. And your husband is like quite possibly one of the nicest people I've ever met. I mean, like the sweetest man, like you couldn't, I guess the thing, Sandy, for me is it's like Mark and I were like, could there be a nicer family that's better equipped to raise children than Sandy and Dan? You know, like why, why does Michaela have to go when like, they're like the best parents you could ever meet. So that visual of you. Walking mm-hmm. behind her coffin really hit me. And it's like vivid to me still to this day um, mm-hmm. because I just thought the unfairness of it, you know, but we can't, we can't. Yeah. That's the thing. We, you cry out to God. You even admitted you were mad at God. Yeah. Yeah. I would drive in my car just so I could yell at God. I didn't want anybody else to hear me. <laughs> and I would just drive and drive and yell. And when I had a red light, I would just yell even louder and um, my, I did go quite hoarse for a while there, and my husband would go, "Why do you have such? Are you sick?" And I said, "No, I was yelling at God." <laughs> I was yelling at God again. Dan's like, "Are you okay?" Well, it's yeah. a throat from yelling at God again. So then, I think got, he but was you reached, you reached a go point, ahead though where you felt you could help others after all the yelling. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think deep down in my heart, I knew I would come back to God. I knew I always knew I was a child of God, and. Um, Thank goodness for that. I don't know where I would be without my faith. I've seen other parents go through what I've gone through. You know, they've lost a child and they're just wondering where their child is. And just, you know, it was just heart wrenching to see 
um, someone without a faith go through something like this. I just really don't even know how to explain it. Okay, Cindy, but anyway, it is so yeah, interesting you say that because yeah. I've interviewed about six parents who's, who have lost children. Mm-hmm. And the only parents I felt had a sense of peace as much as you can have a sense of peace were people of faith. But there were two who I talked to about faith, but really weren't there in terms of feeling that it was real for them. And I mm-hmm. felt they were really white knuckling their loss and no judgment from me. But I felt like there wasn't any peace and that there, the pain was so tangible to me still even years later. But the parents mm-hmm. with faith had more of a peace, like a sense of um, calm almost about it. Not, you know, not the, the, the missing yeah. them was the same, you know, the, the initial grief, the same, but the aftermath seemed to be different. I want to make sure, Sandy, uh, that people can reach you again at spirit-coaching.net, not just the loss of a child. Sandy will take you through an eight to 12 week program to deal with any kind of loss, whatever that loss may be. And you may be thinking, well, my loss isn't as big as Sandy's loss. It doesn't matter. It's still a loss and it's important to you. And if you feel really stuck, she can help you get you out of that rut. Again, just eight to 12 weeks. And Sandy's number is 720-353-9573. And Sandy, I just want to say, I'm just so proud to be your friend. And I feel so blessed that you offered me the opportunity to do this interview with you. Oh, Angie, thank you so much. And likewise, I am so blessed to have you in my life, too. And this is just going to be a wonderful journey for, I think, all of us. You know, when we when we meet and connect and we learn from each other and we're able to go on, it's it's just a beautiful thing. So thank you so much. Well, thank you again. Sandy Steffes, spirit-coaching.net. Thanks, Sandy. Thanks, Angie. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.